0: welcome to episode 87 of the search with canada podcast recorded on friday the 13th of november 2020 My name is Mark Williams Cook and today I'm gonna be talking to you about some of the bugs in Google My Business reviews. We're gonna be talking about the Google page experience update. We've got some more information on that when it's rolling out as a ranking signal next year and some tips to make sure your e-commerce site is as good as it can be for Black Friday. Before we get going, I would love to tell you this podcast is sponsored by the very kind people at SiteBulb. SiteBulb is a desktop based SEO auditing tool for Windows and Mac. If you've listened to this podcast before, you will know I like SiteBulb, I use SiteBulb, my agency uses SiteBulb. So it's not just something that they pay us to say nice things about them, because I have lots of nice things to say about them and so do other people. I, this morning, just before we recorded this podcast, just said, who uses Sitebulb? what's your favorite thing about it on Twitter, because I normally like to talk about one of their features. Uh, we got loads back saying, app has a nice interface, they're always adding cool new features, uh, release notes, people like the release notes. If you haven't seen Sitebulb release notes, go look at them, just trust me on that. Um, Visualizations and schema validation, both things I've spoken about before in the podcast. Uh, exporting straight to Google Sheets, that's the one we're going to talk about today. So that's one thing Sitebulb does that I absolutely love, which is you can export the data you're getting from Sitebulb straight into Google Sheets. Now, a lot of reporting, certainly we do at our agency, is done through Google Data Studio because only idiots waste time, you know, taking screenshots and building like powerpoints or whatever and manually populating spreadsheets and waste loads of times, load, you know, loads of client time on reporting rather than doing things that actually, you know, create value. So any kind of automation time saving in reporting when it comes to just exporting and pulling together numbers is really helpful. We do loads of stuff with Google Sheets now. Um, I'll never be one to fully ditch excel you know it is really helpful for some of the larger data manipulation but when it comes to using stuff like um google data studio pulling together different data from different sources um, and putting it into reports, Sheets is where the data needs to be. So that's one amazing thing of Sitebulb. You can connect it directly, export this stuff to Google Sheets. So if you've got lists of like broken links or things you need actioned within a team, you can just export it directly give make sure everyone's got access and you've immediately got the data in the right place you need it Sitebulb. we've got a special deal for search with canada listeners if you head over to site forward slash swc you can get an extended 60 day trial no credit card required so you can give it a well if you haven't tried it before no excuses go have a look <laughs> I kind of like it when things break, especially at Google, uh, not because I like it when things aren't working but because it does it does highlight how complex everything is and how difficult it is, even for one of these huge companies with lots of very talented people working at it to keep all their products uh, working and functioning. It seems we are at the end now of the canonical and indexing issues. They all seem to be cleared up now. Everyone I've seen who was kind of posting screenshots of pages dropping out of the index, etc. That all seems to be corrected. However, I can bring you one new foible in Google's uh, products, which is to do with Google My Business and specifically Google My Business Reviews. Now the review system on Google My Business has always interested me because I've always noticed personally that there is a delay between when I know somebody's left a review to when I can see that review in the the back end of Google My Business versus when it's publicly published and also when the number of reviews and the average rating updates so it, I find it interesting because it it gives you an idea of what's going on under the under the hood behind the curtain there. In that these are obviously different systems. There's like an overall review, uh, like star rating, counting number of review system that falls in sync with how many reviews there are. So it's not just kind of a a couple of rows in a database, obviously with with so much data. Um, but there is a there is. An issue at the moment it appears with Google reviews on Google My Business. So this was blogged about on the Gather Up website. So Gather Up itself is actually a customer experience review type product. And they've put a blog post up saying that since Tuesday, so that's the 11th of November, there appears to have been an issue with users leaving new reviews and them not being publicly viewable or accessible. So Google has confirmed that this is an issue and they're hoping it's going to be resolved over the next few days. Uh, GatherUp did some interesting data pulling to highlight this issue. So they pulled together the amount of new Google reviews that were being left on a daily basis for a large restaurant chain. So this was averaging between 800 and 1,400 new reviews per day. And on the 11th of November, this dropped right down to what looks like around 50 new reviews and then none on the following day, on the 12th. So that goes to show there is um, quite a, a wide scale issue there with new reviews. Um, Again like many of these Google issues that are affecting their products There's not a lot you can directly do about it. It seems that the reviews are going into the system So if you've had these reviews, you will be able to see them when you log in But you won't be able to see them if you for instance Google your company or brand name and bring up your uh, Your company panel it won't be listed there. So they are still there. You haven't lost the reviews They should come back um, and Google's hoping that fix is gonna take a few days. So if you've had customers leaving your reviews, you may be as part of your process, hopefully that's part of your process when, you, when you're serving customers, selling them whatever it is you sell them, serving them, that you've got this feedback loop where you're asking them to, to leave reviews. If you have seen a dip in the amount of reviews, that may well be why. So don't panic about that, it should resolve over the next few days. We've got some more news directly from Google about their new way to measure page experience. Well, it's not quite new. We've talked about it before. It was first announced in May when Google started talking about the core web vitals. We covered it a couple of times. If you look at the show notes, which are at uh, search.withcandor.co.uk, you'll find a link to episode 63, where we talked through in detail about the core web vitals, what the specific metrics are, what those metrics mean and how they're going to be used as ranking factors. So if you don't know much still about core web vitals, you haven't got around to learning about it, that's the place you need to be. In the original announcement back in May, Google said this is obviously their new way of measuring page experience or I should say additional metrics they're going to be using to measure page experience and they specifically said that those new metrics so the three new core web vital metrics weren't used directly in their ranking algorithm at the moment but they were planning to use them in 2021 and they very kindly said before they rolled out any such change in the algorithm they would give all of the webmasters, all of us at least six months notice. And it would appear that notice is now uh, and they're giving us the minimum six months notice they said they would. As there's a blog post on the Google Webmaster Central blog that talks about how in this May in 2021, those core web vitals are going to form part of the ranking algorithm. So I'll just go through this, this post, um, and again, I'll link to it in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. So they have done a post called Timing for bringing page experience to Google search. This past May, we announced that page experience signals would be included in Google search ranking. These signals measure how users perceive the experience of interacting with a web page and contribute to our ongoing work to ensure people get the most helpful and enjoyable experiences from the web. An interesting point there that they talk about how people perceive the experience. So uh, when, when SEOs, when web performance experts are dealing with things like site speed, It is important to know as many people before me have pointed out that site speed does not necessarily equate to performance and certainly not experience so to give you the most basic example you might have a page that takes we'll say three seconds to load and if between zero and three seconds the user doesn't see anything and then it all loads in suddenly at once at three seconds The user might perceive that as a slower experience than if a page actually took four seconds to load, so a third longer, but after half a second maybe, some of that content, some of that page started loading in maybe the the body content, the text, so they could start getting an idea, reading, getting their bearings as everything else loaded in. So that's just one example whereby the total time of loading the page isn't necessarily as important as more nuanced ways to measure experience and that's one of the things that these web core vitals are tackling so rather than just looking at page speed page load time as a metric they're looking at this largest contentful paint so how long does it take for the main bit of the page content to load not necessarily all of the bells and whistles that that go within that. So Google say um, these signals measure how users perceive the experience of interacting with the web page and contribute to our ongoing work. Da, 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 da. In the past several months, we've seen a median 70% increase in the number of users engaging with Lighthouse and PageSpeed Insights, and many site owners using Search Console's core web vitals report to identify opportunities for improvement again that's really interesting for me because that's a again a huge increase so google is quite good at motivating webmasters essentially to do what they want when it comes to uh, when it comes to development performance certainly we saw the same thing with http and https so google was one of the major drivers although seo is a In my opinion a a secondary consideration for why you'd want HTTPS they certainly were a driving factor for you know web development SEO teams to go back to stakeholders people that control the finance of these sites and say well look actually it's a small part but it is a ranking factor now so this could help us among you know with other things to basically make more money Um, so those changes were happening and I think we might see the same things here and again it's kind of on its head because as anyone working in the web will know you know you improve this page experience anyway you would expect better outcomes you would expect higher conversion rates you would expect better return from your ads SEO is almost the 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 secondary reason you should well it is the secondary reason in my opinion to be doing these things but Again, SEOs have over the last decade got quite a stakehold now in lots of major sites, so adding this to their list of priorities has certainly helped, I think, over the last few years. So Google gone to say, today we're announcing that the page experience signals in ranking will roll out in May 2021. So this is saying from May 2021, these additional core web vitals are gonna be used as signals Uh, for page experience so the existing signals they've got a great image which we'll put in the blog post as we know currently include things like is the site mobile friendly or i should say is the page mobile friendly is it safe browsing https no uh, intrusive ads they're already signals that google takes into account for page experience and they're adding in these Metrics that look after loading interactivity and visual stability. So largest contentful paint first input delay and cumulative layout shift, which is still my favorite because I still despite being a veteran web user I still get caught out by sites where everything's kind of loaded in I go to click on something and then the page jumps around and I end up clicking normally on an ad uh, Or just going somewhere that I don't want to go there are other important things in this post though which we'll go through as well so the post goes on to say the change for non amp content to become eligible to appear in the mobile top stories feature in search will also roll out in may 2021 so that's really important so this means any page that meets the google news content policies will be eligible and, we'll be, and we'll, we will prioritize pages with a great experience, whether implemented using AMP or any other web technology as we rank results. In addition to the timing updates described above, we plan to test a visual indicator that highlights pages in search results that have a great page experience. So there's a lot to unpack there. So, Google pushed hard on AMP for quite a while now, these accelerated mobile pages, this cut-down, fast-to-load format, uh, met as we've previously discussed, with quite a lot of pushback from the web and SEO community for all kinds of reasons, and some good reasons um, there. And what they're saying is in May 2021 this mobile top stories so when you're searching on a mobile in the top stories carousel at the top this won't be restricted to accelerated mobile pages so Google's saying now we now we've got this way of we've got these general metrics and that's the important thing about these web core vitals I've seen various criticisms of um, why they're using those metrics but when you try and actually think yourself of what is a metric that you can use generically across any website to to get an idea of the page experience? It becomes very difficult. Um, the The one I've seen people suggest this thing is things like, well, you should look at the bounce rate on the site. And apart from the, a lot of confusion over what bounce rate people believe bounce rate to be and how Google would actually measure bounce rate because it doesn't necessarily mean returning. Uh, returning to the the SERP the bounce rate isn't a good indicator of if the page has a good experience because if you're searching for some specific piece of information like how to change batteries in a children's specific children's toy and you google that and you go to a page and it's got some content that shows you exactly how to do that and you brilliant you do it and you don't do anything else that's you would have 100% bounce rate because the person hasn't done anything else on the site, but they've had the perfect user experience. They've they've Googled something, it's found the exact page for them, probably the right place in the content now, as we know with content highlighting, they've gone there, they've done the thing. And what is the optimal bounce rate? There isn't a generic answer for that. So using these Web Core Vitals is a way for them now to have this generic, measurement of is the page experience good so they don't have to lean as heavily on is the page amp or is the page not amp so i think that's a really uh positive change for everyone uh certainly reduces again the bar in terms of development cost things like that for sites to appear in those results um the other thing they've mentioned there as a, was a uh just an additional note is this visual indicator that highlights pages in search results that have a great Uh, Page experience. Now that's something they're going to test. I'll be really interested to see how users do react to that Because it is annoying when you when Google does choose to rank a site that obviously is poor in terms of experience and speed And you just end up abandoning it so I'll be very interested to see how these labels will affect click-through rates in search and therefore if it's yet another reason that you will want to make these changes. So not only, um, you know, not only improving conversion, increasing efficiency on your site, but actually getting the traffic in the first place, because if you're ranked number one, but the number two ranking has this label saying, it's basically a really good, fast website. How's that gonna impact the the kind of paradigm of, well, I'm, I'm number one, so I'll get more traffic. Um, so the post goes on to say, uh, a new way of highlighting great experiences in Google search. We believe that providing information about the quality of web pages experience can be helpful to users in choosing the search result that they want to visit. On results, the snippet or image preview helps provide topical context for users to know what information a page can provide. Another reason probably why Google is very keen on overwriting meta descriptions. Visual indicators on the results are another way to do the same, and we're working on one that identifies pages that have met all of the page experience criteria. We plan to test this soon, and if the testing is successful, it will launch in May 2021, and we'll share more details on the progress of this in the coming months. Um, The post then ends on uh, the tools that you need to improve page experience. So I'll just read this out and give a little bit more detail around this. To get ready for these changes, we have released a variety of tools that publishers can use to start improving their page experience. The first step is doing a site-wide audit of your pages to see where there is room for improvement. Search Console's report for Core Web Vitals gives you an overview of how your site is doing and deep dive into issues. Once you've identified opportunities, PageSpeed Insights and Lighthouse can help you as you iterate on fixing any issues you've uncovered. Head over to web.dev forward slash vitals hyphen tools. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes for a roundup of all the tools you need to get started. Uh, and then they go on to plug AMP some more, which I'm not gonna read. <laughs> now, <clears throat> the the web.dev resource, as I said, I will link to that in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. And I think that's worth uh, reviewing just because I often see a lot of confusion with these performance measurement tools, both with SEOs and developers. Uh, normally, you know, you'll know, you get someone run uh, some kind of speed report, it'll get sent around and someone will do another one and it will come back different and someone else will have another one and that will be different. And it becomes very confusing as to you know how these pages are performing so the the web.dev vital tools resource does actually give a really nice breakdown of this and I haven't seen this documented as well um, before this now from Google so it goes into a very clear detail about the difference between things like lab and field results so obviously lab results are essentially when you're running the test kind of locally yourself and field results are things like the data that google gets from opted in chrome users so if you have a site a domain that's got a fair bit of traffic you'll likely have access to field data which can be really powerful because you know this is what real users on average are experiencing on on your site it's very very powerful data If you're running lab tools, um, you tend to get, even on the same machine, if you run them three or four times, you'll get different results, you know. (laughs) Um, And that's to be expected. Sometimes servers respond a little bit slower. Um, Sometimes the internet's a bit busier. Um, That's to be expected. But there's other complications as well that sometimes get overlooked. For instance, if you're running some of these performance tools from your browser, even having different Uh, chrome extensions for instance installed can affect how the performance report comes out because if you've got chrome extensions that are maybe highlighting certain bits on a page or blocking bits on a page that's going to affect how long it takes for that page to fully load because there's some processing happening at your client end and that's going to be recorded by that tool so there is a certain hygiene factor you need to take into account when you're running these lab tests You need to understand um, the pros, cons, differences in when you might use field data, when you might uh, use what's called RUM, which is the kind of real-time user monitoring data, and when you might want to do these kind of one-off product with a lab test. Um, So that blog post, web.dev forward slash vitals hyphen tools, it's a really good Uh, Breakdown of those different tools and when to use them and the different types of data you've got so very much uh, Would encourage you to share that as well with developers um, Because developers normally will have their own way. They like to kind of measure performance sometimes, you know using um, the Chrome developer tools, but There's lots of different ways. They can be doing that and maybe get more helpful insights Despite lockdowns, uh, it's probably not escaped your notice that we are approaching peak season for e-commerce, so Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas are all coming up. I imagine if you're working in e com in-house or you're an agency and you've got e com clients, it's something hopefully you've been planning for a while and probably scratching your collective chins a little bit about how things are going to be different this year with um cyber monday obviously being normally the biggest digital trading day and black friday itself obviously being huge and how they're going to play together now with the high street being a lot quieter this year and where that where that money's going to go and what it's going to look like um a few months ago we had luke carthy on the search with candor podcast it was episode 56 we'll link to it in the show notes and Luke, who's an e commerce specialist, gave us some really good insights at the start of the lockdown. So, this was back in kind of March, April time, about what e commerce sites can do to help prepare them uh, for, for these extended lockdowns, for the, the change in consumer behavior, and what the wins are they could get on their e commerce site. And Luke, uh, in his ever helpful fashion has done a post giving some of his tips for high performance campaigns over black friday now the post is a little bit longer than what i'm going to go through so again of course i will link to it in the show notes i'd encourage you to go and read it if you're working in e-com but i just wanted to read his takeaway top five tips for high performing campaigns over Black Friday, because I think they're quite valuable if you haven't thought about them before um, and there's some kind of SEO tips in there as well. So Luke's first tip is one, use the same Black Friday URL every year. So Luke says, I've said this before and I'll say it again, when it comes to SEO and page equity, there's nothing that hurts organic visibility and rankings more than using a new URL every year. For example, shopurl.com forward slash blackfriday2019 and then using forward slash blackfriday2020 for this year. Recycle the equity the page has built by using the same URL. To maximize ranking potential and, and precious authority even further, consider using the same URL for Cyber Monday too. If you've previously used different URLs, use one this year that's most likely to be timeless. So avoid adding dates and other time-sensitive data to the URL, and then 301, redirect all previous Black Friday URLs to your new one. Really good bit of advice there. Um, Even when we've had things like maybe uh, ecom or guide sites that have done maybe a best laptops of 2020 for instance we've recommended that they try and have for the a, a static URL where they update that every year if there is content um, however that they still want to rank for rather than make a new URL for the current year, the best thing to do is actually make a new URL for the old article. So essentially you you update the current URL and you relegate the older one onto a new URL. So it's still there. You know you know so if there is for instance different product names and things you might want to still rank for uh, in the future they still exist on your site they'll have less kind of link equity but that kind of goes hand in hand with the lower search volume but as as Luke says keeping that same URL with the same link equity same links is really helpful number two leverage retargeting effectively retarget to those that have not just visited, a Black Friday page on your site but have also engaged in a meaningful way too. This will reduce waste and help prevent watering down the performance of your campaign. Target those visitors who visited a minimum number of pages before exiting, have added at least one item to the basket or have tried to use a discount code for example. Equally you can increase efficiency by cutting out customers who've already converted unless you believe they're likely to do it again during your black friday deals i think retargeting is super important for black friday so even if you've got retargeting data on customers that have maybe previously checked out earlier in the year if you have still got them cookied it can be a great way to pull them back in for your black friday offers i'm a big fan of at least removing people for a few days after they've purchased Retargeting is an interesting one because when I when we talk to potential clients about retargeting, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I know what retargeting is." You know, I bought this product and I'd bought it, and literally an hour later, I'm just seeing ads for it for the next week. And in my opinion, that's maybe retargeting that hasn't been done so well that that's so in your face that it becomes this conscious thing. You know, you want to try and get some cadence to retargeting to make it appear at the right time, not so it's just stalking someone uh, around the internet Uh, luke's third tip make sure any discount codes are case insensitive this one's really simple and it's a huge rookie mistake but so many online retailers fall victim to it it's important that any discount codes you're using are not only case insensitive so lowercase mixed or uppercase entries are still valid but also that discount codes are easy to remember in most cases, around half of online shoppers in the B2C space are using mobile devices. So making a code that's easy to re-enter and doesn't cause frustration when fighting auto-correction. This will help improve conversion and lower checkout abandonment. Keep codes simple, short, and easy to remember. Black30 or Save50, for example, instead of BFTV S 2020 Lastly, if you're including them in emails, make sure they're selectable as text and not just an image. Not everyone wants to read your emails in HTML. And of course, discount codes and images can't be copied easily. Uh, Number four, have your own discount codes page to reduce affiliate commission payouts during the big event. It goes without saying that for many retailers product margins are eroded during one of the biggest sale events on the calendar more so with covid19 in the mix too to reduce the amount of margin you're hemorrhaging during this period it can make a lot of sense to have your own page for valid discount codes but having your own discount code page, you're reducing the amount of traffic that's going to affiliate websites like Hot UK Deals and My Voucher Codes, which often are taking a cut of your sale whether the code works or not. I think this is a great bit of advice all year round. Uh, lots of ecom clients we work with, we suggest they have an active coupons page. You don't necessarily need to um, link to it kind of internally, if it's codes, ideally you want different, uh, kind of say, email or specific customers to have. But as Luke rightly points out, if you have a coupon code box on your checkout, you're very likely to trigger an action of people going away to Google what that coupon code is. And if they can't find a working coupon code, it can cause frustration and actually sometimes lose lose you the sale so by having a page yourself if someone's googling your brand name and vouchers and coupons or whatever you can rank and say look these are the these are the valid codes that we've currently that we've currently got ranking if you don't have any um, codes at the moment you can literally say we don't have any voucher codes that are working at the moment you could even remove the coupon code box from from your checkout possibly Um, but that's quite an interesting thing that I have seen happen which is um, as Luke says you know a lot of these sites just kind of bulk list old codes because they just want the click through they want the affiliate commission and you know it doesn't really matter to them if if the code's there or not and lastly number five consider extending your returns window to cover those Christmas gift purchases so it's pretty uh, you know good tip whether it's e-commerce or not Luke says, it's no secret that many people shop and buy items on Black Friday to give us Christmas gifts. So why not remove a potential blocker for your customers by extending the returns window of eligible items until late January? That way your customers can confidently browse and buy your deals knowing if there are any issues they've got until after Christmas to return or exchange it. Another brilliant tip, go read Luke's uh, full blog post on Black Friday, he's got some examples of how some of the bigger brands have prepared as well, so there's lots to learn from there. That's everything we've got time for this week. Uh, I've got some really exciting uh, guests coming up over the next few weeks um, to get these people together in one place. Uh, I've got one recording scheduled for 11 p.m. GMTs, but it's going to be worth it. We're going to have some really, really great uh, people on the podcast soon going through and giving their uh, insights. So please do subscribe, check back in and have a great week. We'll be back next Monday, which will be the 23rd of November.